This is the Can Crushers Wrestling Podcast. The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Let's go nuts! It's Jimmy Nuts! Drive out with a car! With your host, Mark Martinez. Remember, just because you're trash doesn't mean you can't do great things. And the English professor. It's called a garbage can, not a garbage cannot. Hey, this is former WWE superstar Duke, the dumpster, Drosy, and you are listening to the Can Crushers Podcast. And welcome to another Skyped edition of Can Crushers. I'm your host, Mark Martinez. Joining me from... Three houses away is the guru, and joining us from three hours away is the English professor. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Hello, Mark. Hello, listeners. Don't uh, chat. Alive, <laughs> coronavirus free, and kicking the piss out of Madden 2020. Already, John, you don't say hi to chat. You say me and the listeners. Chad can go around uh, himself. Sorry, yeah, that was rude. Holy cow. Good morning, Chad. <laughs> there you Good go. Good morning, John. We, we exchanged our pleasantries before we started recording. We do. We, we really Chad do. For about 20 minutes, we always do, folks. You don't understand what yeah. kind of a shit show this turns out to be that we're so far away. It's, it's that kind of day. Guys, I want to bring up some news right off the bat. Um, this Wednesday, we had a spotlight with the Code Red Wrestling Heavyweight Champion, Trevor Gage. And we were talking about this, that, and the other, and about what this coronavirus has done. Literally, less than eight hours ago, uh, I was back in touch with Trevor to see what's going on, and he released that he is now quarantined for 14 days. He has the coronavirus. So I don't know if you guys saw it, that I put it up on Facebook instantly after. He sent me a little something to do. Um... Just, just please, please, please keep uh, Trevor Gage in your thoughts and prayers um, as he battles through this virus. This is now somebody that uh, I didn't know. There's my air quotes. Anybody that had this, now um, I know somebody. And it's uh, it's closer. It gets closer every day, guys. It's a good point. And it's well said. Yeah, it does get closer every day. Um, yeah. From what I've read, things are getting better, but we have to keep at it, guys. Yeah, I, I, I hate to say it. You know, usually I'm kind of the one to buck the system and question the system a little bit. But, you know, guys, if you can't wear the mask when you go out and stuff and everything like that, don't be one of these idiots that make CNN or what other news for starting a brawl in Walmart because they asked you to wear a mask. Just... Do it or don't go out. It's it's that simple. And for the love of the good man above, don't be like the Florida governor and wear the mask sideways. Jesus, I didn't see that, but apparently you have more time to sit at home and watch CNN. Unbelievable. Oh, it it was it was shooting around on Facebook. He was out in public, running, uh, had the mask on sideways, and asked his aide he couldn't figure out why the other strap was hanging down below his chin. That's for his second chin. He hooks it on your second chin. I don't even know who this guy is, so I'm sorry. All right. 
So we have a lot going on in wrestling this week. Let's do some news before we attack uh, some of the events that went on this week. And there's nothing else to start with, but uh, did anybody actually count how many people were released from the WWE? Uh, talent, behind the scenes, referees, you know, NXT, and the list can continue to go on. And I think it will. Um, rough week, so to speak, for some wrestlers. And I'll let you guys tackle this, and then I'll say something at the end as well. It, it is pretty tough. Um, but, I mean, you know, they had to make some cuts. It's understandable. It just sucks for everybody right now. Probably the biggest name talent uh, to be released is Rusev. Um, and I think maybe that's where we see uh, Bobby Lashley saying he wants a divorce. Whatever the hell he was saying, the 15 or 20 minutes of Raw I actually watched. Uh, maybe this is an opportunity to get rid of Lana as well. Um, maybe she joins Rusev someplace else. Um, and then AJ Styles lost his his entourage, right? Yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are some big big names being released. Yeah, I didn't I didn't count the numbers, but I seen later last night that there was a. Uh, it looked like mostly NXT roster release, like fifteen to twenty more people. Not anybody that you know, huge impact or anything like that, but. Uh, a couple that I recognize from some uh, squash matches and stuff like that. Um, this is just something real, real quick. I wanted to bring up on, from the legal side of things. Vince McMahon, in doing what he did to some of these uh, wrestlers, may have screwed himself because there's always been the big debate: are they contract? Are they independent contractors or are they contracted guys? And Vince always says independent contractors because he doesn't want to pay all the insurance and benefits and blah, blah, blah. Well, he turned a bunch of these guys, he furloughed them. You cannot legally furlough somebody that's an independent contractor. They have to be an employee. So just a little side note that may come into play with some of these wrestlers. Yeah, uh, I, that was one of the points I was going to bring up, so you stole that. That's fine. The other one that I'm going to bring up, and I'm going to use the example of Diana Peraza, uh, one of John's girls. She actually wrote, and I'm not going to quote it because it's not open on my phone right now, nor did I copy it. She actually quoted, I've been struggling with this for a year, so maybe I'm happier and there's more hope at the end of the tunnel or something like that. Um and I think a lot are going to see that. You know, you have Leo Rush that he's already posted he's going back to MCW down by the Rated X Superstars. He wants to do something with Joey Keys and people like that. Deanna, uh, I think she's engaged, married, one, one of the other two, one of the hottest guys out there right now, Marty Skrull, who's got his hands in the NWA and his ownership pretty much in ROH. You, you, Wait, you, Deanna, Deanna Peraza was Marty Skrull? Yeah. She didn't tell me. I'm going to whip his ass next time I see him. Good. So you're coming to Karate hey. Cup with us then? Yeah. He better not be there. He knows what's good for him. He's fighting all this. Yeah. Jesus. I know. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. It's going to be a John run-in in the main event. That's yep. how they're going to screw over Skrull. I had a connection with her. Jersey, Italians. Anyway, I thought we had something, Deanna. <laughs> 
you might. You still might. Um, but I think in the long run, people are going to say some of these guys are lesser talent. Okay? Uh, I throw the bullshit card out on being lesser talent because how about lesser pushed or lesser seen or something like that? Yeah, Heath Slater's been around for 15 years. Zack Ryder, da 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 But have they really ever got their moment? I mean, they, they've had their shtick, but have they got their moment? If they all go and link with someplace else, you know, NWA, ROH, MLW, doesn't that strengthen everybody across the boards then? They're a name, first of all. It's, if, you, if you're coming from the WWE, you have a name, right? You guys can both nod so I can say yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, it depends on if WWE takes your name. Whatever. Uh, uh, <laughs> Zack Ryder is, you know, I don't know, Ricky Koloff or whatever, whoever he's going to be, um, it, it, he still has the face recognition. So I'm just saying, like, I think it only helps. And I think yeah, these guys will get their dues. Yeah. Yeah, we're seeing an AEW with guys who get over just on their faces alone. doesn't matter what you call them. Right. So, I think it's good. Uh, that's that's my thought. Uh, I think it's good. Um, other news. Ch- Chad, do you have any pressing news? No, I haven't really seen much going on. Yeah. You know, other than the, the uh, releases and, you know, some of the, uh, I don't want to say, uh, oh, fights in the news or whatever. Nothing that we haven't talked about. Johnny, you got you got anything? AEW was a terrific show. Well, that, let's jump right into that because uh, we're on SmackDown. On SmackDown, we have new tag team champions: The New Day again. And uh, do you guys want to say anything else? I'll give you both a minute or two to say something about either one because I'm good with the WWE right now. Yeah, well, there's the story that you shared, Mark, on our Facebook page that there are rumors are trying to split up the new day. The new day is adamantly against it. Um, I'm not sure why you want to. You don't. I don't think you have a whole lot of tag teams. They're always consistent. They're always fun to watch. They genuinely love one another. Uh, and then again, you know, who knows? Maybe that may lead to an interesting feud. Uh, but I had no idea they even won the belts because we didn't watch Friday night. And Monday night, like I said, I watched enough to know Bobby Lashley wants a divorce. And if you break somebody's arm, you get disqualified, I guess. Well, that was, I know I know where you're going to go with that. You, after you texted me, because I wasn't watching it live Monday, um, later on in the show, they cleared it up that the ring announcer just said the wrong name because the wrong person was still in the ring or whatever. Sarah, that's somebody actually I feel sorry for, Sarah Logan, and I hope she moves along. And uh, I hope Crazy Mary Dobson comes back. That's what I have to say about that. Horribly underutilized. Way too talented for what they've done with her. Yeah. Uh, all right, let, let me stay with this real quick. Have both of you seen that the Money in the Bank pay-per-view is going to take place actually at WWE headquarters? You have to start on the ground floor, and then you won't win the Money in the Bank briefcase until you're on the roof. So I'm already putting this into being a Chamber of Horrors type match that's going to go oh so wrong. First one that came to mind. One at a time, boys. Go ahead. 
card, Ted. I was saying Dungeon of Doom. This is this is nothing going to be nothing more than a fuster cluck. Yeah, this is the first thought that came to my mind. Um, I I I don't know. I, don't, I hate to be skeptical, but I don't see this being entertaining. This is I'm thinking since they've had the the big boneyard match in the Firefly Funhouse match. This is going to be, now you guys are going to be shocked, just like I was shocked to find out that John went to WrestleMania 1 last week. Um, this is going to be pre-recorded and edited so heavily. They're, they're clearly going to be in, end up in Vince's room, and you're going to see this person. It's, it's, these two matches are going to be movies. They're not going to be matches. That's my prediction. Yeah, it may be right. And maybe in that regard, it'll be better than I think it will be. Maybe we'll see things like from the Attitude Era where you fight into the back and Miss Jacqueline was taking a dump and they barged in on her stall or whatever. Who knows? You remember that. I, I do. Chad's, all right, let's go to AEW. Let's go. Let's just move. Yeah, this, this, this is going to be, you know, when it, it's maybe better than you expect, but it's going from... Worm slime to worm is about my expectations. <laughs> Level wise. And Mark, Mark, I don't, and quote me, or cut me off if we talk about this. Has there been discussion about the WWE be, being determined uh, essential business in Florida and what's behind that? Yeah, about $18 million is behind that. Well, yeah, the, I mean, the money, one thing, but both of the McMahons appointed to Trump's whatever the hell team to talk to about reopening the country. Yeah, well, um, if that doesn't scream bribery, then no, come on. I, I, that, that, that is, uh, go ahead, Mark. Go no, ahead. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I'm just curious where AEW falls in all of this. Guys, it's not essential. If baseball is not essential, you you want to talk about big money, legitimate, pardon the phrase, legitimate sport, competition. Um, you know, Vegas is, is involved as, as far as uh, betting goes. That's not going on right now in front of empty ballparks. What's essential about wrestling? Um doesn't AEW fall into that same category? How'd they get the green light? Well, AEW's taping in Florida now, too. I, I, I don't know where, and I could be wrong, but it looks like they're in like a concourse of Jacksonville's, the Jaguars Stadium. Because you see all the, once in a while you get a random shot that you get kind of some empty seats or it's an open area where they're shooting. I... I'm just guessing. If it's out there, call us all idiots. But I think they're filming where the Jacksonville Jaguars play because the cons own that. Wouldn't it make sense? You don't have to pay anybody rent then. Maybe I'll, I don't know what's going on, but does tape versus live make that much of a difference? Uh, WWE, they, don't they have a couple of confirmed cases? Carmella, am I correct? Carmella, one of those ladies. Carmella's been squashed, and Dana Brooks now been on live TV, so I'd have to say that's squashed as well. Okay, so maybe those are just rumors. I think, nevertheless, they're putting people's their performers' health at risk. 
neither company is really essential. I Man, I'm glad they're still going. It gives me something to watch, but yeah. All right, let's transition over to AEW. Um, a good card on AEW. There, there's some things that we liked a lot better than what we didn't. Um, Jake Roberts starting every show the last two or three weeks. Can we transition him someplace else? He doesn't need to be always. He's great, don't get me wrong. But does he need to be the first one we see on AEW all the time now? No. <laughs> it's it's getting to be too much. This is where they find something that works, and then they beat it like a dead horse the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'll, I'll say AEW is pretty formulaic in that regard. They're following formulas that work. So I'm all right with Jake the Snake opening it up. I think he's a brilliant promo. Maybe they do they do mix it up next week or in the coming weeks. And then we get the Lance Archer match against Cole Cabana. Um, these two are great together. I, I like this match. I really did. And I already said that you know Lance ends up in the finals against Cody and wins it. Um, so I, I knew Colt was going to be more or less like a just a. A stepping stone. Do you guys disagree at all? Not at all. I, I love Colt Cabana. I'm a big fan of his from the NWA. This was a bold move by AEW to book him against somebody who's no selling and just kind of tossing him around. Told a great story. I enjoyed this match. Yeah, I think Colt being booked where he is is a good thing. As much as you'll both probably roll your eyes, I kind of think of comparing Colt to Brock Lesnar, as far as being able to take the bumps and making it, making it look real and being able to be physical without getting hurt by a big guy. Brock's a great seller. I will give him that. Good point, Jed. Yeah, I like that. Um, the best spot of the night is up next. Is it's Britt Baker in her office, and over the next couple of weeks, she's going to tell us how to be a role model. And number one is Fight Fair. And her nose still looked during, they, they clearly must have taped this ahead of time because her nose was still kind of a little dinged after the match last week. But in her match, uh, she looks good in her match, without a doubt. You know, nose is great and everything. Britt, we posted the story that Britt actually sent to me um, from Bleacher Report on Facebook. And, wow, uh, she's not a bad girl, right? Go ahead, John. All right. Yeah, I have. Uh, I want to spend a minute on this. Imagine that. Um, w. Yeah, WWE does. I'm sorry. I, I hate to always crap on them. They do absolutely nothing to make me believe that something is taking place where they say it takes place. A at least Skinner was, you know, in the clearing or something. He was in a body of freaking water with a knife in his mouth. Make me believe. Fix up the surroundings. We lost Mark. Um, they don't, you know, the, the scene where Maria's at the doctor's office, there's nothing believable about it. And maybe it's because I was there live and I'm familiar with um, PPG Arena. PPG Paints. But come on, there's nothing believable about a vignette that the WWE puts on. I believe that that was Britt's office. And from 
a non-kayfabe point of view, my thought was, wow, maybe she filmed something at the office where she works and sent it in. Regardless, I believed she was in her office. I believed everything she had to say. It was a great promo, and the details helped. Well done, Britt Baker. Well done, AEW. You mean, John, that you didn't believe when Mae Young gave birth to a hand? <laughs> you know, <laughs> call me skeptical. <sighs> no, I, I agree with you. It's a, it, uh, for everything that WWE films, it's supposed to be outside uh, the, the stuff in the restaurant with Mandy and Otis and Dolph and uh, Lashley and Lana and everything. It just it just looks too cheesy. It it just doesn't look right. Um, you know, the last thing I can remember WWE doing that they filmed and it looked real was when Austin threw the belt in the damn river. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, you can't fake that. He whipped the damn belt in the river, and yeah. they were filming outside, and you had traffic. It looked freaking real. I want to rewind to SmackDown for a minute because I did forget one thing. Uh, Sonya Deville is getting her own kind of push right now, and I'm freaking happy about it. I'm going to bitch, though, because they talked. Her and Mandy were talking, and then Sonya kind of just let it go. And then all of a sudden, Otis and Dolph came out, and I think it ruined everything. Go back and watch that, both of you haven't. When it was just Mandy and Sonya on there, and they were bickering and going at it, and Sonya just turned on her and punched her in the face, great. Um, once you brought off Dolph and Otis, it took too long and it sucked. Then Britt has a match on AEW. We transition real quick. Uh, I don't know who Cassandra Golden is. Somebody I don't know. I'm going to look her up. But Britt, I love that she is going to stick with this, putting your mouth on the bottom rope and just curb stomping you. And then you have to go see her on Monday. That's awesome. It's fantastic. I love it. I love what she's doing. I love the attitude. They, they're smart about what they're doing with her. You know, they're helping her along. And if you read the article, she says that. She's getting a lot of help from a lot of people, but she's also got her own creative input in her matches and in her promos. She clearly feeds off of a crowd. And I thought when, when AEW went to no crowds, she would suffer. I still think she would work better if there were a live crowd because she just – they spew venom at her, uh, a live crowd does. So what do they do? They put her in that office setting, which is brilliant. She can still get heat from the televised uh, audience. And she does things in a match where you see she's getting better at finding the camera and just being a total douche nozzle. <laughs> yep. She is so much better as, as a heel. Um, absolutely love her work, you know, period, across the board. But she just looks like she's having fun as a heel. And, yeah, the whole the whole curb rope stomp thing, oh, that's just, that's just bad. But, you know, she's doing a service to the community. She feels bad for beating them. So, you know, she'll help them out in her office the day after. <laughs> Did, Chad's going to go off on this next one, so I'm going to give him his time. You had to have loved the Bubbly Bunch. 
with Jericho and everybody doing the Brady Bunch thing and just talking to each other in cubicles and everything. And see, he's, he's dying. If you can see the video once we get our shit together, he is dying laughing right now because this is something right up, you know, in his wheelhouse. Jer, you know, I didn't, I wasn't necessarily a great fan of Jericho before. And I think it was a lot because of him being in WWE and stuff just being so cartoonish. But, oh, my God, this, this dude, I, it would be a coin flip between who's better on the mic, him right now or Ric Flair back in the day. And I that's a you know hell of a jump. But he is just he is just so good and so funny. He, he knows how to pull stuff out of people and or machines in the case of the, you know, drone. Um, it's, it's just great. He he is the one, uh, I, I don't know what you want to call it, high point or whatever of the no crowd thing across the board through all of them is Jericho and what he's doing. John, you gushed over him too, so go ahead. He, he's brilliant. I can't say enough good about him. I, I've always been a fan of Chris Jericho. Even in a cartoony WWE, he, he stood out to me. Um, as far one other quick thing is, as far as vignettes and promos, because Jericho's had some good ones. I don't know if it's AEW production or if it's the performers, but it looks realistic because it looks like something was happening before the audience got there. Guys, that is so key to a scene that is convincing. Too often, WWE looks like someone just said, and action, and they're like, oh, wait, what? They're always caught off guard. It looks phony. AEW's promos, vignettes, whatever, their scenes, they look like something's been happening before we ever got there. That And, and Jericho is a big part of that because his promos and vignettes look exactly like that. This was a funny, the Brady Bunch thing was great. It, it was so funny. Uh, next matchup, we have my boy, the Spanish god, Sammy Guevara, taking on Pineapple Pete, Sugarton Duncanton. Is Ethan Colton, is Ethan Colton back in the day, such D, uh, you know, I, I've always been a big Shug D fan. Uh, we saw him at IWC, he brings down the house, Jericho's called him Pineapple Pete for the last three weeks. Again, it's awesome. Yeah, you can't you can't say anything more about it. It's just it's that good. It's humorous. Those are good entertainers. I still wish when Guevara sticks his tongue out, somebody would kick him in the chin or smack him in the top of the head. But he's good. He is very good. It's good to see him get a win. It's cool to see somebody else that we saw live getting a little bit of a break. Yeah. Uh, Kip Sabian and Patel before it against Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy. Uh, I, I, I love Trent from Best Friends. Chuck Taylor reminds me of, I don't, I don't know, dirt on the bottom of somebody's soul or something. I don't, I just don't wow. like him. I, I wonder at which point we move forward with, uh, Orange Cassidy's shtick. Um, he's doing some different things, like he can hardly be bothered to give a high five or pound on the mat with any sort of enthusiasm. It's funny. I just uh, worry that this may run its course very quickly. And then what do you do? 
All I'm going to take out of this match is Penelope Ford did a hell of a hurricanrana from the top. Um, she looks a hell of a lot better than when she was in IWC, and I'll just leave it right there. We, we had Justin Long take on Sean Spears and uh, whatever. I, I, that match was just a squash. But then we have the main event. We have Jake Hager against Moxley. Guys, this was in an empty arena. It was an empty arena match. Do you believe that? Not in the least. Yeah, aren't they all these days? Right. I don't know why they were making this such a big... Well, I guess because no Billy Gunn and his son and everybody else and, and Britt wasn't at ringside and, and everybody else wasn't there to, like, cheer and boo and make bets and everything. So totally empty arena, I guess, is what they're saying. Except the cameraman. Well, yeah. And Jim Ross, was he watching live or was he, you know... I, I don't know. From a remote location? Anyway... A fantastic match. Loved it. Loved it start to finish. I love the story they told with the takedowns. This was a bit of an MMA fight. It was a brawl. It was a wrestling match. It was excellent. It was perfect. Five-star start to finish. Yeah, I, I liked it, too. I'm, you know, always been a huge Moxley fan from when he s sprouted off to... Mick Foley before he even started in WWE and that um, just gr a, a great match. Um, my only disappointment is that they use this in the empty arena, no crowds thing. Um, this would have been a hell of a match to just have in an arena, a, a brawl, like uh, not like the Kenny Omega match with Dean Ambrose, or Moxley, sorry, but like just a good, this would have been a great match to have in an arena with the crowd reactions and beating the hell out of each other and everything. Uh, I echo that, Chad. That's actually my capitalized note of this match that I'm shocked that they gave this match away uh, as an empty arena, no matter where we are match, because the pops during this match would have been unbelievable. But, um, so besides the releases in AEW, not a, not a busy, busy week for wrestling. Thus, we are going to go to our next segment after we hear from Al Snow and Collar and Elbow. But let me tell you about one thing, guys. Uh, OVW's kind of been shut down as well. Not kind of been. They have been shut down as well. But they're doing some fun stuff on YouTube and on their network. This past week, they released OVW Ladies Unleashed, their first ever show of all women. Ray Lynn goes in as champion, and the main event ends up being a fatal five-way match where Ray Cray loses the title. But on this card, and it's free on YouTube, guys, just check it out. Um, you have Megan Bain, you have Raylan, Queen Aminata is on it, Madison Rain, many more. Uh, this was a great woman's event uh it's a great wrestling event let me take woman's out that's my misspeak my misspeak it was a great wrestling event that was held at the davis arena and uh obw just putting it out for free for you guys to watch make sure you go and check it out because it was unbelievable it really was so all right now let's talk about you had me at queen amanada <laughs> no, no kidding i will check that out yeah uh, let's talk about Collar and Elbow. You guys can go to CollarandElbow.com. They've released their new spring stuff. Uh, merchandise, hats, hoodies, tees. 
Uh, great. I have my normal just collar and elbow shirt on today. Um, can Crushers, capital C's, and you will get a uh, 10% discount. So, you guys are ready to talk about SummerSlam 89? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, let's hear from Al first. Wrestling. A love and a passion we all share. I've started a wrestling brand. The wrestling brand. A brand founded on the aspects of wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product that connect emotionally for people everywhere. Collar and Elbow is the brand. Passion and love for wrestling is the drive. I am Al Snow, and this is Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. This is the heir apparent Chris LaRusso, and you're listening to the Can Crushers podcast. Welcome back to Can Crushers. It is I, the English professor. We just heard from our good friend, Al Snow. Mark, I was wearing my collar and elbow t-shirt yesterday, and that reminded me, my wife said I need to get a new collar and elbow t-shirt because I'm down 26 pounds, a little self-promotion, and she said it's starting to look a little bit big on me. So I'm going to have to use the capital C and can, capital C and crushers, um, and get 10% off of my next collar and elbow t-shirt. And then you're going to have to send me that shirt that you don't fit because I'm gaining the weight even though I'm working and you're not. It's it's all about diet is what I've learned. Well, you're killing it because of your beer intake, Mark. Exactly. Chad knew it was a softball and he crushed it out of the ballpark. I, I was just more focused on myself. Imagine that. When haven't you been in the 30 years that I've known you, bro? Damn. Touche. All right, so SummerSlam 89, enough about me. It's, yeah, SummerSlam 89, the English professor picked this one last week. It took place August 28th, 1989 in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And I don't know if you guys um, saw the dark match, but the dark match was Dino Bravo against um, your dad's friend, John Coco Beware. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, did it show it? No, did it, it show it on the network? No, I just I, I searched it up that I knew there was a dark match, and it wasn't on the network, but I just wanted to bring up that your dad was friends with Coco Beware. Yeah, and my mom was friends with T. Ranchla. Yes! That guy was like the biggest asshole, and he and my mom hit it off. Right. Loved it. Alright, so the first match on the card is actually the longest match on the card as well. That's the only one I know of time about. It, it ends up being the Hart Foundation against the Tag Team Champions at the time, the Brain Busters with Bobby Heenan, and it's a non-title match. Uh, the, the contract was signed before they won the titles. So, John, you're a Hart Foundation fan through and through, so you only, and this was also your pick, so you should go first. All right, thank you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. A little bit of backstory. The Brain Busters and the Hart Foundation, neither team were champions coming into SummerSlam. Uh, shortly before SummerSlam on Saturday night's main event, the Brain Busters beat Demolition with help from Andre the Giant. 
So there was no title on the line when this was signed. There's no title on the line now, Bobby Heenan says. Uh, I was a huge Hart Foundation fan. I also loved Bobby Heenan, so I was a little torn, still pulling for the hearts. Great chain wrestling, great crowd energy. Um, I think there was a bit of a nod to the Andersons or, or the Horsemen as uh, Arn and Tully worked the arm. Uh, um, I liked Arn trying to make the tag a couple of times, but the anvil was just too powerful. Uh, wouldn't allow the tag. Um, the uh, Brain Busters took a lot of punishment early on until they found that one opportunity. Really, really good match. Um, there was a spot where they both tried to wrist lock Bret Hart. And he pulled an Owen and did a flip. And then I think maybe knocked them both down. Um, these four guys could have done a thousand moves, but that's not the point. You know what I mean? The, the point is uh, building something from start to finish. That's what they did. The hearts had some great heel tactics, which was fun to see. Um, and then in the end, I think it was a double axe handle by Arn Anderson, maybe on, on Bret Hart when the ref wasn't looking to get the win. Yeah, and the legal man ended up in the ring getting the pin. Anderson wasn't legal, so Chad, go ahead. That's, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Oh, this this was a great match. You know, these are four of the greatest. I, I want to say the greatest wrestlers. You know that there's been as far as chain wrestling, uh, being crisp in the ring, being on time, knowing where your people are. Um, this to me really showed a lot more um, with Tully and Arn there. What do you want to call it? Um, How well they can work with any team, Um, you know, coming out of the NWA with rock and roll express and the midnight express, they come into the WWF. They're working with the bigger guys like demolition. And then they go to, you know, against a, a power and grace team like the Hart Foundation, it just showed just how good these guys are. And this this was just a big slap in the face to how dumb McMahon was to not keep these guys longer. You guys know that, you know, Chad and John both, I can throw a match for, to them and say, hey, this match took place in 19... 19- 86 at whatever and they'll be able to run the gamut of what happened in the match because uh they both have great brains um i remember this whole pay-per-view but i was still on the edge of my seat during this pay-per-view because i don't remember what happened do you guys you both catch me on that right like i, I just sure. i can't get the the details down. I remember watching this. Uh, I, I loved it. I do. And this just brought me back to my childhood is I was thinking, wow, I was, you know, 12 years old, you know, my son's age, more or less. And I forgot what happened, this whole card. And was I thoroughly, I'm spoiling my prediction or, or uh, everything I'm going to say. I was thoroughly entertained, start to finish from this. And this was, the, the most technical match of the night. This was a great match, uh, probably one of my favorites. And, uh, man, I, I loved it. I loved it. And perfect that Anderson, my boy, gets the win for the Brain Busters. Best match of the night. Next up, uh, Dusty has an interview. I don't know if John has anything to say about interviews this week. 
Not this one. I do, but not this one. Of course not. Uh, next matchup is a Honky Tonk Man um, with Jimmy Hart against Dusty Rhodes. And it starts with a strut-off, more or less. Uh, they're both just strutting around. And as much as we all, you know, poke fun at Dusty wearing the polka dots, he, he sold the shit out of this better than anybody could have. He went to the bank. He absolutely did. Well, just another thing that Dusty, even though he was a big guy, he wasn't Mr. You know, technical like Flair Steamboat. Dusty could have a, a great match with the broom. I'm surprised how much time this match got. Um, when you consider the next match, and we'll get to it, barely got five minutes maybe. This match got a good 15 or 20, I think, is what it seemed. And it was, it was very gimmicky. Like you said, they strutted, and, and there was a lot of showmanship. And the megaphone got involved, and the guitar got involved. Um, it's interesting to see Honky Tonk Man here two years earlier. Easily the biggest deal. At that point, bigger than the Million Dollar Man, who was kind of new at the time. Um, 88, he loses to Warrior the year before. And by this point, he's one match removed from opening the card. Um, still a fun match. Um Dusty was so over in the WWF. He was so over with the crowd. Um, I think he was in a chin lock and Jimmy Hart's shouting into the megaphone. And just that is getting a crowd reaction. Simpler times. Yeah, this, I was never uh, a match or a, uh, yeah, a fan of the honky tonk man. I just, it was like, oh my God, what a bad gimmick. And I'll just say, you know, the, the best things that Honky Tonk Man ever gave to wrestling was shake, rattle, and roll. I like the aftermatch interview, Mike in the face thing, that after he got hit by the guitar, uh, he was so disoriented, he was calling Jimmy Hart, uh, Priscilla, or Lisa, or one of them, that he didn't know where anybody was, and he was just... <sighs> Honky was good. He really was, and, you know, uh, you can't take that away from him. Um, Dusty gets the win. Next up, we have Demolition and Hacksaw Jim Duggan with Demolition. Just that didn't gel, but apparently it does. So, uh, what an interview! Oh, the oh yeah, yeah, the promo. Yeah, okay. I thought thought you meant the match. I'm sorry. Yeah, that just was a lot of. uh, I didn't really get anything from. I, I didn't get a lot from a lot of the promos. Um. Maybe we'll talk about Hogan and the Barber and their promo a little later, if you don't mind. <laughs> That's, I guess we were gunning. Uh, so the next match is actually Mr. Perfect against the Red Rooster. On paper, Kurt Henning against Terry Taylor is a dream match. These guys could have wrestled in a pair of socks and I don't know, just whatever stupid thing you can think of. But this was a uh, Red Rooster's demise it was kurt hennings coming to uh, fruition to be mr perfect and this match was like three minutes and thank god because everybody knows how much i like the red rooster yeah this um this was such such an unfortunate match these guys wrestled so many times in the wwf even years later six or seven years later terry taylor came back maybe he was um booking or writing i'm not sure but he would get on camera once in a while Always lost to Kurt Henning. Always. It's a shame to see. 
Um, he, even when he talks smack in this match, he's got to bob his head back and forth like a chicken. Just so <laughs> stupid. It's so stupid and, and such an insult to a guy who's one of the best workers and had great matches with the very best ever lace up a pair of boots. Yeah, I, I'm just going to say great talents, crappy match, and that's it. Next up, we have the Rick Rude interview. Uh, it was good. Nothing nothing to write home to, though. No? Yeah, no, I agree. It was all right. Then we have, this is where I have a little bit, so I'll go first a little bit. Uh, you have the, the Rougeos and Rick Martel taking on the Midnight Rockers and Tito Santana. Um, first out, uh, the Rougeos singing All American Boys is they're from Canada, French Canadians. I loved, I actually forgot about that theme song. When we went back and did the whole theme song thing, this would have been in it. Not not as not as good as Strike Forces, um, but it, it was it was there. All American Boys by those guys. <sighs> Always a fan of Rick Martel, no matter what he was. Rick Martel in the AWA. Rick Martel, the model got a little hokey, but it was it was good enough for me. What I have to say is, poor Tito Santana, poor Tito Santana. Strike Forces six months prior to this. And he is just so broke and just trying to make money that he can't buy new tights or boots. He's still wearing his old Strike Force stuff. Just could not move along to to get anything. He's just he was buried, so he wasn't making money to buy new gear. Or he was holding on to the past. Um, you know, maybe he was hurt. He, he he came out of semi-retirement, if you guys might remember. He was doing Spanish commentary. Came out of semi-retirement to join Rick Martel when um, Tom Zink skipped town. Uh, this, you know, I said the opening match was the best match of the night. Man, this one's close, too. This was incredible. Double leap frogs, double cross body blocks, double drop kicks. Excellent excellent six-man tag team match. I think Janetti took a bit of a beating, but also um, Michaels. Michaels eventually gets the hot tag. Um, great match. Great match. There was one point they're triple teaming or whatever. They've got the tag rope, I think, around Michaels. Obviously, Santana and Janetti want to get involved. Clear as day, you can hear Jacques yell to the referee, don't look yet! And the ref turns back around. What can you do? Those things happen. Still, great match. Uh, and I actually forgot who won. I was pulling for the Rockers and Tito Santana. I, I thought they were going to pull it out at the end. Kind of a similar finish to the opening match, though, where the wrong guy gets pinned after a double axe handle or, or something, some sort of move that that is essentially a, a strike that knocks the guy out and Martel pinned the wrong guy. This was, to me, how... A six-man tag should be formulated, how it should be done. Um, not overblown spots, you know, beating the hell out of one guy, getting a hot tag. It was just, it was a lot more believable than nowadays where, okay, four guys are taken out, they're laying out side the ring, taking a siesta while the two guys finish the match. Um, that was not this match. 
Um, you know, not just another great match, you know, great talent all the way around, even though, you know, Tito Santana and Rick Martel were both kind of on the back end of their, uh, career, but it was a good, it was a really good match. Yeah. Uh, I agree with both of you that the six man match, this, there was two six man matches on the card. This one, which, uh, stole the show. The next six man match we'll talk about. Um, it, it was not as good. Uh, we have the Ultimate Warrior taking on Rick Rude for the Intercontinental Championship. They, they spent 15 minutes showing what led up to this. This is kind of where WWE has now started to just showing promos and promos and recaps and promos. And da, 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 da. Um, this was to get the Warrior back. It was get the Warrior back on top and... Root's pile driver, or whatever he tried to do, if you guys remember, he tried to do kind of a uh, Orndorff pile driver into a tombstone. He had him the wrong way, and it just ended up being a, uh, uh, how can I put this, a low, meaning like low to the ground razor's edge. And I don't know why they tried selling it as a pile driver, but... It was rough. It was definitely, and we hate using the word botch because we're not wrestlers. We won't say that, but it was definitely a a miscue. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what happened there. Thankfully, nobody was hurt. It looked like somebody could get hurt. Um, just very quickly before this, uh, the promos leading up to this, Lord Alfred Hayes really spoke beautiful English, guys. He really did. His English was beautiful. Um, and the Ultimate Warriors promo, my initial reaction was he sounded like my dad yelling at me. I don't know what the hell he was saying, what language he was using, but it just was like, and that's what it sounded like to me. So, anyway. My dad's yelled at you, Mark, so you know it. I know. Anyhow, very good match. Great brawl to start maybe before the bell rang or, or the bell had rung i don't know but there, there's a brawl on the outside um rude worked a nice match to the point where you could feel the crowd's frustration a little bit because they wanted the warrior to come back um leading up to this roddy piper had had a run-in with rick rude where he started to give out like a rod awakening where he would kiss a woman from the audience and it pissed off rick rude um, he claimed Rick Rude had bad breath. Um, and then on an episode of Brother Love, Rude gave him a rude awakening and then spit scope in his eyes or something. Um, so that led to Roddy Piper coming out to this match. I don't. I really think he was bare-assed under that. If you look, or he was wearing a thong, I don't know. It was but a jockstrap. He mooned him. He had a jockstrap on to cover, cover his beans yeah. and franks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Yeah, so he mooned him, and that pissed off Rick Rude, and it helped Warrior uh, get a belly-to-back suplex off the second rope. Um, some shoulder blocks and maybe the press and splash, and that was that. Heenan managed two champions, well, three champions, two different titles going in, and left with just one title. This this was, you know, a, a typical big guy match. This match was one that really showed how good of a worker Rick Rude was to work with. And I hate to, I'm not talking ill of those that are dead, but the ultimate warrior as a wrestler was bad. This showed what Rude could do 
as a wrestler. Um, he made the Warrior, I don't want to say he made him look like a million bucks, but, you know, probably about 750K is what he made him look like. You saw it, because now that we know that the Warrior uh, blew himself up, you know, match any Ultimate Warrior match that I now watch, I kind of have a stopwatch going to see when he is blown up in the match that he needs some rest holds. Yeah, uh, Rude, uh, the worker of this match for sure. This and, and WrestleMania 7 against the Macho Man, the retirement match, Warriors' two best matches. Look who, it, uh, who his opponents were. Right. Um, hey, Mark, there's, there's one thing that we missed that I wanted to bring up. It has a little bit of, uh, I don't want to say historical significance, but something. Uh, before the Rougeau match, there was an uh, interview with Mean Gene Okerlund with the SummerSlam logo. Did you guys know the history of this interview? No, bring it to us. Is this the one where, like, something something fell in the background or something? Yeah, the logo fell in the background and on air, live, Mean Gene, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think he knew he was shooting or or it was a natural reaction. Yep. Um, And then it went, they tried to cover it up. Uh by going to Shivani and Ventura, and Shivani's sitting there with his, you know, jaw hanging down to his stomach, and Ventura's like, well, it looks like about damn time that troublemaker Oakland's going to get in trouble. No, I... God. But on, I don't know where the hell I went. Maybe to get a beer. On the network version, they obviously totally edited it out, and if you didn't look into the history or didn't listen... To it before you would have never known about this. It, it, it was just funny because when you when you see it, you can find a clip on YouTube. Gene swears and he's like, then he's like, "Oh shit," which doesn't really help a lot. <laughs> Not after you get that saying pocket doesn't. You might as well just go all, all out. They also didn't do the five minute intermission. You guys remember the five minute intermissions? They did. I was looking forward to just a blank screen for five minutes. <sighs> yeah. I was I was gonna write that I, I wrote that down because after the Warrior Root match we have uh, like six interviews of people just it starts with Mr. Perfect then it's transitioned into Piper and then rugged Ronnie Garvin just walks by which that whole shtick is bad Heenan and Rude come in and then they do the whole banter a little bit with uh, Shivani and the body and then they're like oh yeah we're having five minute intermission. <laughs> Why are we having 10 interviews right before the five-minute intermission? I, I miss the intermission. Because you used to be able to hear individual conversations. Remember, like, was it, must have been the following, yeah, the following year, Sapphire no-shows yeah. against Sherry. And you could hear people in the crowd talking about what they think happened to, to Sapphire. Yeah, They should have done just five minutes of that. I, I was looking forward to that. I was bummed they didn't do it. The WWF logo just, like, bouncing off like a screensaver or something. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Would have been great. So after the intermission, we have a six-man match that I think took way too long. It's Demolition and Demolition Duggan, King Duggan, I don't know, against a team that weighs a ton. You have Andre the Giant, Akeem. Literally. 
in the box, man. Uh, the downfall is Andre is a shell of himself right now. He is yeah. just shuffling in and out of the ring, and it, uh, it, it was rough. Least, even with the perfect and Red Rooster match, I, I love them. Um, this was my least favorite match. I, uh, whatever. With the other six-man match, yeah. this was buried. I agree that. Uh, even my son, who's 10 years old, was watching this with me and said, uh, Andre the Giant really doesn't look good. It, it was that obvious. The guy had very, very little to anything left. Um, what can even, I can't even think of a spot. You know, They could have just gone with the, the typical beat up on one guy, get the hot tag, all six men in the ring. And maybe that even happened. I don't even know. But there wasn't a memorable thing about this match. This could have been, uh, at best, an opening match. Probably a dark match would have been suited better. It It is what it is. Um, it, just nothing special with that. And Demolition being kind of somewhat faces just doesn't, never, never worked for me. Uh, he does slam both guys, which is crazy, crazy power by Smash. I did want to mention that. He slammed the boss man. Then turned around and picked up the gang who was, even if they're lying, the guy had to be 400 pounds and slammed him with ease. That guy was unbelievably strong. Next match uh, was more for Popham circumstances to get the rivalry going with somebody else. It was Valentine against Hercules. Uh, there's times I forget uh, Hercules existed. Um, the cool Hercules, not the power and glory Hercules. That was pure trash, uh, and not on his part. Paul Romo was just god-awful. Um, Garvin was a special ring announcer, and he's like, and uh, here comes Hercules. Now, here comes a guy that wears yellow pants and yellow shoes, and his hair looks like uh, a Barbie girl that wore, you know, silicone. It was just way too much. This was way too hokey for me. Yeah, it was it was just dumb. Even as a kid, I remember thinking, you know, because Garvin lost a retirement match to Valentine. I remember thinking Valentine was done. I, I remember going into that thinking, well, maybe this is Valentine's retirement. Garvin is pretty new. Garvin lost uh, Valentine reverse the inside cradle. So now he's done. He applies for a manager's license, a referee's license, a timekeeper's license. Like Rocky, I, I just got to be around it. And Garvin just needed to, to be around it, I guess. But it was always Valentine's matches. Like, what are the odds of that? He couldn't announce another match or ref another match. His introduction is like, he claims to be from Seattle, Washington. Maybe he is. Why is that a reason to brag like, or to knock the guy? What the hell is wrong with Seattle, Washington? This was so dumb. And you, that's not a good job of ring announcing. I've given this more time than it deserves. The match was, Garbage. again, Hercules was, was watch some Hercules matches. That guy was very, very good. What else do you need to say about Valentine? But this wasn't about the potential of this match. This was about Ron Garvin and Greg Valentine. And Hercules, at this point, even before Power and Glory, was so buried. Um. This was bad uh, all around. I'll just say uh, 
Let's just let's did did anybody catch the interview before this with Ted DiBiase's uh, racial interview and name calling of Jimmy Snuka? Uh, we weren't talking interviews, so I didn't bring it up. So, but go ahead. This is your spot now. Oh I, no! I was just like, that's that's how bad this match was. Uh, um, I, I don't need. Just thinking with the stuff going on now and has been going on with Cornette and then last week Jerry Lawler. Wow, this you know from Jesse Ventura talking about Tito Santana's flying burrito to this kind of stuff, it shows you the difference in society on what could get away with back then, and now you can't say anything. Or this, when they were calling him an animal or something like is that what you're, like, DiBiase kept calling him an animal? Like, was it he was human? an animal and jungle, and there was yeah. something about the color of his skin and everything. Different times. The 80s were pretty politically incorrect. The the only thing out there right now, and this is all over Facebook, um, Snooker's being compared to Carol Baskins. If if you look at some of uh, the memes out there, you know they they both kind of killed somebody. I I guess uh, we'll get that on the dark side. Hey, well, yeah, hey we'll don't that. don't you be accusing Carol Baskin. There's never been any proof. Uh, the next uh, interview is Savage, Zeus, and Sherry, and why is she allowed to bring Witch's Brew into an arena? (laughs) Was Zeus getting high off the... I don't know know what was going on. Macho Man could carry that sort of thing with the power of the madness and whatever else, and Sherry was just along for the ride. What was Zeus doing with all the <laughs> every so often like he came to I don't know what he was doing. How was that again, John? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was it was not one of Savage's best. It wasn't because the yeah. other two ruined it. Moving along, it's a million dollar man in Virgil um, versus Snooka, and thank God this was short. Uh, Snooka passed his prime. Yeah, he was still getting a, I don't want to say a push, he was over. If you watch his 89 uh, comeback, fans. He was, he'd be over now. He's just that guy. Yeah. Fans really missed him. Obviously, it was before they knew anything about his past, what had happened six years earlier. Fans really missed him. They were happy to see him back. Um, this was an opportunity for DiBiase to win a match and Snooka to not get pinned. Um, DiBiase wins by countout. Chad's got nothing. So, yeah, this just another toss-away uh, match. Jimmy Snooka, you know, at this time, this is after he came back. Like you said, this was before they knew anything going on or supposedly didn't know anything going on. Um, I I didn't like Snuka past his matches with uh, Bob Backlund and feud with Piper and Ray Stevens many years before that. So this was... Eh. 
It was a match. All right, I'm going to hand this off to John for a minute as he's going to tell us everything wrong with the Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber interview, and I'm going to go get some water so I know I have plenty of time. <clears throat> All right, thank you, Mark. I didn't find anything particularly wrong with this interview. It's just the next time I travel to New York or New Jersey to see family, I'm going to try to make sure I have Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber beefcake with me because traffic pulled over. Once they saw Hulk Hogan and Brutus beefcake were, were in the car, they stopped. They, they got out of the way because the power of the mania and the barber was too much for the bridge to handle and the expressway was going to blow up. I, I don't know. So the next time uh, I have tickets to a Jets game, I'll just ask Hulk Hogan what he's doing. Can you please join me and clear traffic for me? Because that's what I got from this is that uh, they cleared the, the power of the mania and then the barber is enough to clear everybody out of the way. They even went over the Henry Hudson River Lake Bridge Pond, whatever the hell he was trying to say. Yep. Chad, Chad didn't like this interview either, huh? Uh, yeah, it was, this was a this was about a thirty percent of a Firefly Firefly Funhouse. What the hell's going on? Type interview. Then after that, in the ring is the genius. And I have a book from Lanny Poffold that's got many of his great poems in it. Uh, I always liked this because he got the crowd just pissed off at him and then just took a beating. I loved it. What in God's name did he say? He had nothing. Uh, he was doing more hakus than poems or uh, soliloquies and I, I just what the hell was he saying holy cow haiku and soliloquy not haku and sliquy or whatever you said I, I you know I liked him being in the ring for this because they a couple of times at WWF dropped hints at what we already knew that that Lanny and Randy were brothers what he also was the master of ceremonies when the Macho King was crowned, which was pretty cool. Um, you know, he's a genius. He and the Macho Man crossed paths a couple of times. It was cool to see. Nothing. We get to about. I'm getting a delay here, guys, so I apologize for that. Uh, Lanny Poffo, Randy Savage, uh, you know, the whole brother thing, not leaking it out, I think that is a beginning stages early stages of mcmahon not wanting to recognize superstars that were great with other federations um because you go back to the mid-south and stuff like that holy cow uh randy savage poffo against the rock and roll express first time somebody ever went through a table randy savage gave ricky more and a pile driver through a table um it's just the thing of mcmahon not wanting to recognize give a little teaser but not one to fully say yeah these guys have been together for 20 years or something like that he gets off on it if i'm being honest my belief vince mcmahon gets off on it 
So we have uh, the Macho Man and Zeus, guys. Do you remember Zeus from No Holds Barred? If you haven't seen that movie in a while, don't watch it. Um, no. He's going to take on Brutus the Barber Beefcake in Hulk Hogan. And I, I don't know. This was not liking wrestling, wrestling technically and everything. I love Savage in this match. And that's all I really have to say about this match. I just, yeah. Agree. Love Savage. All the spots you could predict, maybe with one or two surprises. Macho Man was great. Zeus no-sells for a while. It becomes like Rocky versus Ivan Drago. Eventually, he breaks down the big man. And as far as any surprise goes, it was cool to see the barber get the sleeper hold on Zeus. Had a little bit of an effect, but ultimately, Zeus was just too much of a monster. And, of course, in the end, you know, it, it takes the power of Hulkamania and the leg drop to, to get the win. It was not the leg drop. The purse actually took him out, then the leg drop. Happened. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The purse. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, the purse that was loaded with a brick. <laughs> it was very weighted down. Did you see the purse? That's in my notes. The purse was like, it was a handbag more than a purse, but it was just sagging. So there had to have been something in it. What the hell yeah. did you do? Fill it with like concrete? Like just pour concrete in there and let know. it dry? I don't know. It was. You could have just sold it as a like anything. Put a can of snuff in it so there's a indent or whatever, and say it's metal or whatever. But they legit put something in this handbag, and it was bad. But oh. even that. All it did was just like Zeus was like, you know, like, whoa, what was that? And then it eventually took its effect on him. And at the end, of course, Hogan and Beefcake get the win. And Sherry uh, gets her hair cut off. Yeah, she took a beating. She got bumped around. Sherry was the best, man. She was so good. She was so far ahead of everybody else, other women wrestlers, everything like that. Um, she just, when she took stuff, uh, did she overreact a little bit? Yeah, a little bit, but she still was in there. She could hang with anybody. Absolutely miss her. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's do the ratings. And, uh, of course, once again, this was SummerSlam 89. The English professor brought this one to the table. So we'll go with him, we'll go with Chad, and then uh, we'll wrap it up. John, what's your rankings, and what else do you have to say about this? I loved this way back in the day. SummerSlam was my favorite pay-per-view. You had to follow You had to follow SummerSlam to have a payoff. Because what I mean by that is, there was a history behind SummerSlam. Ultimate Warrior wins the Intercontinental title at each of the first two SummerSlams. Mr. Perfect loses the Intercontinental title at each of the next two. Warrior wrestles Rude two SummerSlams in a row, once for one belt, once for the other belt, in a steel cage. The Hart Foundation, it's like being a fan of a sports team. You follow them till they win the championship. They lost to Demolition in 88. They lost to the Brain Busters in 89. They finally beat Demolition in 90. Um, always loved SummerSlam, at least the first five or six years. That being said, it didn't hold up as well as I thought. First half was brilliant. Second half, a lot of it could be thrown away. I'm going to give it four and a half beers. 
Um, to me, this card was, I, I want to say, geared a lot towards, more towards the the younger ones, you know, early teens and stuff like that, because it had the characters more so than the substance. If you take out the Heart Foundation and Brain Busters match, there wasn't a lot of substance to this show. Um, I would be stretching it, giving it, honestly, a three-star or three-beer to me. Uh, I'm going to go four as well. Um, this was, Chad, you said it perfectly. This was when uh, John and I were 12, 13 years old. So it was it was geared at us. It was geared, hokiness and everything. Um, did some of the stuff that I, we talked about, uh, you know, relegate some points? Yeah, it did. It, it really did. But uh, I said I was, I was on the edge of my seat. Because I, I remember it happened, clearly. But did I remember what happened? No, and uh, I enjoyed watching it, you know, yesterday morning. Um, I love waking up Saturday mornings, uh, getting my couple cups of coffee going, and then uh, watching these pay-per-views that we remember back in the day without TCI Ted having to come to my house and, you know, delay it for about 20 minutes. <laughs> so, it's great. Uh, those were infuriating times. They really were. Uh, guys, next week we are going to do something that we've had planned for a while. Before uh, we take a break, I'm, I'm going to release it. I don't know if they both know, but it's going to probably be a surprise to both of them. Um, next week's show, we're not going to do a pay-per-view. We are going to... Oh, what the hell? We're... Go ahead. Go ahead. What do you got in mind? We are going to do our Ask the Can Crushers. We got some questions in emails. Uh, we're going to take some more this week from social medias. Uh, we both get to bring one to the table and add them into the hopper. And then uh, we'll announce, you know, hey, this guy said this question. He wants to know what our thoughts of it. So if you are going to get some questions in, um, we're going to take away one thing right now. You can send them around over to our Instagram or Facebook or our Twitter. Make sure you hashtag AskCanCrushers. Uh, submit them to us or send them via email at cancrusher 69 at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, write who you are. And then we'll say, hey, uh, Jason Lang wants to know why Ric Flair was better than Telly Blanchard. And we'll give, we'll give our thoughts. It is completely opinionated-based. We will get into a fight next week. I will guarantee that. Somebody's going to hate what I say and what Chad says and what John says. But this is going to be real because these guys will not know the questions prior. I clearly get them. So uh, I'm going to throw the questions at these guys. I'll throw my two cents in, and we'll see what goes from there. You guys up for that? Uh, so if I'm understanding, someone emails or, or whatever, Instagrams, Facebooks, questions, you choose them because you're the boss, and then present them to us live. So we have no time to prepare. Correct. All right. I'm up for it. The only thing I want to say is if the man dime gives any questions, no. What about if the dime piece does? That's a different story. All right. All but right. If the man dime gives any questions, I swear I will make a toilet paper mache of him. And post it everywhere. Oh, that's going to happen anyway. Uh, at the IWC after party in October, that's going to be actually a contest. Remember we, we came up with that? 
We'll give away. A... It'll get done before then. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's take a couple second break here. Um, re-energize and come back. And somebody, somebody has finally watched some Dark Sides of the Ring. Now he wants to make it his own segment. He wants to make it his own segment and talk for another hour about it. And that would only be one person. John, do you know who that is? I, I don't know because I expressed no interest to do that. I, I watched four or five, I don't know, six episodes. I want to touch on them. I certainly will not make it another hour. Anyway, go to break. This is the fashionista of professional wrestling, Calvin Couture. And I'm glad you're listening to me, but I don't really know why you're listening to this podcast. But whatever, they paid me a lot to say this. So enjoy Can Crutchers, I guess. And we're back to Can Crutchers, the final segment, or what we're now going to call the John talking about Dark Side of the Ring catching up part. Uh, so I watched, I'm guessing, five or six episodes. Well, wait, wait a minute. Wait, you just, you have to make sure that you tell them the whole story. Like everything, texts coming to me because you clearly, okay. you clearly throw yourself under the bus. Okay, so I thought it was something fairly new. I've always been behind the eight ball with everything in my life. I'm late to every party. And so I come across episode five, season one, and I kind of lose my shit. And I'm texting Mark, how many seasons are there? And he said, just last season and this season. And I was like, I just saw season five, episode one. He's like, that's just not possible. And I went back and it was episode five. Season one. So anyway, um, I wasn't 100% sure of what was out there. And I never even asked Mark. This is what a good friend is. He just sends me a list. And I was like, it's like you're reading my mind. Because I need to have that list. I need to go through and and check them off. I didn't watch them all. Uh, You guys are both pressuring me about New Jack. I was not a New Jack fan. I wasn't an ECW fan. Mark, all you've told me is what a dick the guy is. So I have no desire to watch it. But I will. Um, and then as far as the brawl for all, those were some good fights. Like, they were what I would expect out of two wrestlers. They were just big, walloped, face-punching matches, and they were fun. And they were shoots, apparently. Um, and so you had, like, uh, Bart Gunn against Justin Hawk Bradshaw, which fans went crazy for. Who knew? <clears throat> I can't imagine it's going to be a great episode, but both you guys keep saying I need to watch that one. I haven't watched that one yet. I'll tell you what oh. I watched. I watched the... Go ahead, Chad. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it, John, it honestly is because the backstory to it and how it all came up and everything that happened, It. I was not looking forward to it myself. I'll be perfectly honest. I was. But... Oh my God! It so much detail, so much came out that you're like, "Holy crap!" I'm surprised somebody didn't get shot. Wow! Touche. Right, I will check that out. That's your homework, along with. All right, let's spoil it right now. Dino Bravos is this Tuesday night, so we'll cover Bradford all next week and Dino Bravos. If you don't cover right. those, John, I don't know. You're not part of this segment. Well. I watched five or six episodes. I can manage two in the course of a week. Okay. Um, okay. So I watched Macho Madness first, or, or the match made in heaven. The match made in heaven. That was beautiful. I'm not going to lie, guys. That one had me in tears. Um, Bruce Pritchard, 
talked about that's what they wanted the, the full circle love story even with the divorce and being friends in the nwo they genuinely cared about one another that was a beautiful story didn't really tell me anything i i didn't really know um kind of knew macho man was a psychopath and, and hulk hogan and his wife were like you need to relax um I'm not a fan of Linda. I don't know what it is. Just watching her talk. Um, I just do not like her. Don't like her. Um, I watched uh, the Chris Ben. Well, I watched Superfly Snooker next. Um, again, that one didn't tell me anything. I didn't really know. Um, I'm not going to say I don't like making things about myself. I do like making them about myself. I'll make this about myself. Uh, this one hit home a little bit because they talked about neighborhoods I recognized. I saw my first live card. Jimmy Snuka wrestled Samoan Afa. And I wonder, without knowing the details, was he at her viewing, you know, earlier that day or, or, or the day before or something? Because it was, it was in that neighborhood. You know, it was uh, the church I attended when I was a little kid. So that one kind of hit home. Wait. Go ahead. Uh, let's, you didn't listen to this, but Chad and I um, want to bring something else to the table about this. And I know you're not a, you're not a Cornette podcast listener. So I, we both listened to um, Cornette brought Kevin Sullivan on the show to talk about this a little bit, and we'll keep it short, but uh, Kevin opens a lot up, Chad, about this episode of Dark Side as well, that I just, the only thing I can say is I don't know now. I don't understand what, you know, Kevin adds his point, and I think he was actually being um, honest in everything. He just, he's he just doesn't want to, he didn't want to be part of this, because of um, Snooka's girlfriend's mom and dad is what he said. And he he throws uh, – no, not – I'm talking about the wrong one, the Benoit one, right? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I was like, yeah, well, what uh, do you know about Snooka? Okay. Yeah, no, I, I kind I'm of combined them there for a second, too. Yeah, no, that's, that's all right. Uh, no, but getting the Benoit one, because um, I was going to get to that next, that was that was tough, man. That was really, really hard to watch. Um, geez, Eddie Guerrero's kind of a kind of you know remembered as a hero in all of this. I will say this: Chris Jericho is a beautiful human being because while I'm watching these two episodes, all I'm thinking is how unfortunate that these families don't talk. And then when you see Benoit's son towards the end of episode two has had about enough of it all out comes Chavo jr. I'm like, Oh my God, they're in the same place. This is so great to see. I'm so happy that at least they're talking. And then out comes essentially his aunt, Nancy's sister. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is fantastic because there is an understanding there. And I'm glad they reunited. And then you find out it's Chris Jericho who had the same thought we all had, like, you guys don't see the connection, the obvious connection that you have over this tragedy. One of you is allowed to still love the man with all your heart, and one of you is allowed to absolutely detest the mention of his name 
and you can still have a connection. You can still be family. And, you know, Jericho did a great thing. He had both phone numbers, and it's just like one of you call the other. That was great to see. In a nutshell, these are so well done because they don't take a side. In a, a time where we have the phrase coined fake news, you have to turn to wrestling of all things, and, and you know the word associated with it, to get real, balanced, impartial news. These guys just presented you with the facts. They have Jim Cornette saying, here's exactly what happened, and they have Vince Russo saying, none of that happened, here's what happened. And they let you make the decision. Great documentaries all around. John, you need to watch the Von Eriks as well. You'll love that. I did see that one. I, I enjoyed the. I'm sorry, I did forget about that one. I enjoyed the Von Eriks as well. But, that was amazing. Um, Kevin, just climbing trees and, and watching his sons wrestle, and that one was tough. Uh, I had heard rumors that his parents split. I didn't want to believe that to be true. Apparently, it was too much for his mother to handle, and, and she left his father. That's really sad. I had no idea Fritz lost his mind and pulled a gun on his only remaining son. Um, and his son still has all the admiration in the world for him. Yeah. Chad, good. Uh, I want you to talk now because I, I, the Kevin Sullivan part of the Benoit thing, you'll, like I said it all during this whole show that you guys remember better than I do. I didn't take notes on it. I just sat here and listened and, uh, it was strong. It was. Uh, it was also, you know, hit me in the feels listening to Kevin Sullivan too. So go ahead. Yeah, I do, I just before I hit that, I just want to say, you know, the the Von Eric one. Um, that was so sad. That I, that that family from Jack being electrocuted to David Carey, Mike, Chris, Kevin going to kill himself. You never knew this stuff. Um, you know, there was never any inkling unless you were in their circle in that area. And then, you know, Mark can agree with me when we were at WrestleCade last year to have the world-class wrestlers say, the Von Eriks were not liked by wrestlers. They not not hated, but it was like, oh, shit, I got Carrie tonight or oh, I got Kevin, so I might as well plan on a broken face or something like that. Um, just a sad, sad thing. But to the uh, to the Benoit one and Cornette having Kevin Sullivan, I, I came into this with an open mind about it, and I'm telling you, I have no, you have no clue really what the hell goes on or what went on. Because there's so many different stories. There's only one person that I'll throw out of the whole story-making mode, and that's Vince Russo, because he's an asshole. And he's made his he's made his career of stabbing anybody that he could in the back if he could make money or get his name out there. And I know wrestling has that as a whole, but this guy takes that to a whole new thing. So, But you just don't know. Kevin, he, he seemed genuinely upset he wasn't in the dark side of the ring because he didn't get the okay to talk about it from Nancy's parents he wanted the okay for them to talk about it um 
to me, that showed a lot. Of, he still had a lot of love for her. Um, feels responsible for basically introducing Chris and woman. Um, you know, they're supposed to have an angle of, oh, them being involved. Well, she's still married with Sullivan, and then it really turns into them getting involved. Um, I don't think Sullivan being on there solved anything or cleared anything up other than I don't think he had much to hide. Um, I think he denied, you know, the abuse allegations, which saw that coming. Um, but you just don't know who to believe in this. And the only good thing that has come out of this whole situation years later is like you said, John, his, uh, Benoit's son and Nancy's sister talking after what was it? 14 years. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, that brought me to tears and I, I got no problem admitting that you feel sorry for the kid, um, bullied online. He should go kill himself, all this stuff to anybody who says that to anybody under any circumstances, you're a piss poor human being. You're saying this, you're saying it to a kid who has no control over what his dad did. And I'm glad he's, I'm glad he's made it through it. I mean, obviously it's still going to be hurtful. It's going to be hurtful for the rest of his life, but they're, you know, they're, they're putting the pieces back together a bit. And, uh, the, the whole thing, it, it just sad. Chris Benoit was my favorite wrestler, uh, of all time. Um, it's just, it's, you know, to, I hate to use the pun. It's the dark side of the business. Well, well said. Well, well said. So, again, this Tuesday night at uh, ten o'clock is Dino Bravo's story that the three of us are just stoked about. We'll also cover Bradford all next week. But let's uh, transition into closing this up as we are coming down to our final four for the coolest uh, gimmick tournament. Um, the semifinals will start Tuesday and Wednesday, and then the finals will uh, happen this Friday on our Facebook page. Make sure you get over there and vote. Today, Ric Flair is taking on The Fiend. Um, Ric Flair's not a gimmick, guys. The, the Fiend is a gimmick. That's what I said, and it was tied last I checked. So if you're pulling for one of these guys, make sure you vote, because Mark hates draws. Yeah, I do. So make sure you get your votes in. Like I said, Tuesday will be one semifinal. Wednesday will be the other one. Uh, maybe we'll put some hokey stuff in there. Uh, we already have another uh, tournament in the hopper. Once we square it away, we have uh, it, it. Yeah, we have it in the hopper. I'll just tell you that. Um, next week, we will be doing Ask Can Crusher. So, again, um, make sure you get your questions in via email or any place on social media. We'll uh, throw the questions at these two jackoffs. And uh, head over, and our website has all our all our shtick where you can find it. Um, where we'd like to go, we can't even post that anymore because uh, everything is canceled until unbeknownst. I, I don't know. What do you guys have to say to wrap this up? Uh, wow, kind of a full show. Um, am I looking forward to anything? I look forward to AEW every week. Um. Mm-hmm. Not really looking forward to any WWE programming. Like I said, they've lost me. 
I'm looking forward to Dino Bravo. Um, not wrestling wise, you know, I'll just say AEW is the only one that I watch. Um, if there's something hits in the reviews that might interest me with the others, I'll go to it. But honestly, I haven't even done that in two weeks. Um, I'd just like to say on the wrestling note, uh, y'all remember Tracy Smothers of the Southern Boys, uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Um, he's been diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer. Um, there's a GoFundMe page out there. There's a lot of wrestlers talking about it. Everything from the uh, Cauliflower Alley Club, uh, you know, to Cornette and stuff. If you can, guys, you know, throw a few bucks his way. He's he's in a really bad situation right now. Yeah, he really is. Um, other than that, uh, tonight, if you guys are looking for some wrestling, if this is going to get up in a decent time, last year's Crockett Cup is available to watch uh, live on NWA on YouTube. Um, Chad and I were there. Uh, we, we talked in depth about it. John, you need to catch up and probably watch that. We won't talk about it again, right. but you should just watch it because it's great freaking wrestling. Chad and I said match of the year last year, all this against girl. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't watch anything on that card or can't fit the whole card in, watch the, all this girl match. Just Chad, what do I have going match. on? What do I have going on? I will watch the whole thing. Well, we've tried. We've heard that excuse over Dark Side of the Ring for the last month. So, all right, fair enough. <laughs> all right, guys, we're gonna wrap it up. Um, thanks to <laughs> Cauliflower Alley Club. Uh, we we do love those. Thanks for bringing them up, Chad. It was a uh, time to bring them up again on the podcast, guys. These guys do great things for people that have uh, wrestlers that have, you know, lost their lives, medical conditions, and everything. They give back. We always bump you back to listen to the B. Brian Blair interview that we have that you can find up on any social media uh, podcasting site or our website. Uh, B. Brian Blair talks intensely about that. Uh, Collar and Elbow, we love them. Use Can Crushers, all one word, capital C's and Can and capital C and Crusher. And uh, remember, both of you, you're both big pieces of trash. But... That doesn't mean we can't do great things. Because I... It's called a garbage can, not a garbage cannot. One time I tried to set you up, John actually cut on, and you shit the bed again. Go back to sleep. Oh, you freaking messaged me a few minutes after 10. Hey, we're going to do the podcast. I'm calling you. It's because I was singing and drinking last night. Guys, have a good week. (laughs) 